Welcome to the show. Great to be with you. Deacon Bear, Paul George in studio. <laughs> Feeling much better this week. Yeah? I'm a little nasally, but not nearly as bad as last week. Good for you, man. It went from like two degrees to like 60, and then it's going to get a big back jump. down to 20, and then it'll go back up to 70. <laughs> but that's true. Louisiana. It's true. So welcome to the show, everyone, wherever you are today, uh, listening on the radio, KLFT here in South Louisiana. Great place to live, by the way. It is. Or on the podcast, and you do not live in this area, and uh, maybe you're the show mom. Hey, show mom. Out in Atlanta, or wherever you are, thanks for being a part of the show. We're a little bit back in rhythm, you know, after Mm -hmm. the Christmas holidays and the new year and whatnot. Yeah, it's good to be back in rhythm. When you said show mom, that reminded me of something I've learned recently. You may know about this already. Okay. Have you heard of work spouses? No. Mm-mm. So obviously, show mom is your- I can only guess. Your actual mom, right? Yes. But we've collectively agreed she's the show's mom. Yeah. So in that way, she's my mom too. She gave birth to me. Mm-hmm. I was there. Right. But I don't remember. But in that way, she's also given birth to the show. Yes. By giving birth to you. I mean, without her- the show would not exist. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, apparently people are doing this with coworkers of okay. like hmm? work wives, work husbands. Explain this. Where like at work, we're a team, me and you, but it's not like we're romantic. It's not like we're, but like we joke like we're work spouses. Okay. That just sounds terribly unhealthy. It sounds a, like a terrible term. Yeah. Like like a horrible idea. Yeah. Like something I'd be extremely uncomfortable with. Yeah. So it, that just reminded me of it. Like it would be fine like if we were like work buddies. Yes. You know, you go on a field trip as a kid and you're like, hey, this is your buddy. Y'all stay together mm-hmm. so you don't get lost. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of work buddies when we do the show. I feel like you're my work buddy. But we're certainly not work spouses. No. No, and even and to no apply. offense to you, man, but I don't want to be your spouse. I thank you for that. Yeah, I affirm that desire. Yeah, or lack of desire. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. So we're on the same page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just it just kind of struck me how crazy it's gotten with people not really understanding how relationships work. One, and then like how not every relationship's a wide open relationship, right? Like there's certain boundaries emotionally or mm-hmm. whatever else that like you really shouldn't entertain. It's a horrible crossing idea. those boundaries. Yeah, I don't know. No, that 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 sounds horrible. It's not a good idea. Now look, there's no one on the planet that believes more in the workplace than teamwork than me. Wow, you know, like like a healthy team, a good team that works together in any company organization is extremely important. You can go further faster when you have a great team that works together that has clarity. You got the right people in the right seats, doing the right things, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So that, that teamwork is important, but but yeah, like the terminology of like, you know, creating sort of this work spouse, not going for it. And if you're any company or organization that's listening to this show, do not go that route. Yeah. That will cause a lot of confusion. It's a bad idea. At home and at work. And let me ask you this. What about the reverse where at home people maybe act a little too official right like so so the critique there is you're bringing some kind of spousal relationship into the workplace with someone who's not your spouse what about what about bringing like too much of a workspace workplace vibe to your house 
or it's supposed to be your spouse. Well, I think many couples would say that they struggle with it being sort of this working relationship. They're raising a family. It feels like a job. They don't get to spend time together. They don't have fun together. There's no intimacy. There's things like that. So yeah, it could get into this pattern or this rut where the married couple feels like it's basically a, you know, they're roommates. It's a working mm. relationship. They wake up and they, they do the job of the family. And, and this is what you see like over time where someone's married 20, 30 years, the kids leave the house and then they divorce and you're like, how sad, like, like, you know, cause they just, they just work together and they didn't build on the actual marriage relationship. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that seems more like a prevalent issue than the, the work spouse. Issue. Yeah. So if you're there in that space, it, it, and you're like, what's the antidote to that? Or what's the solution is like, first, it's just being aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. That is an issue for us. We've gotten in this rut and this pattern. It is never too late to say, okay, let's, let's turn, get on another road and start working differently on our relationship. Yes. Raising a family's hard, the business of it, the busyness, the calendaring, the, you know, the whatever, but none of that should get in between the union of husband and wife. It seems to me, Paul, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've worked with couples on these issues. It seems to me that one of the reasons that happens is also kind of a fear of the spouse. Like, yes, life is overwhelming. There's a lot to do. But it seems like even in marriage, there's this fear of rejection from the spouse. Like, if you want to have fun together, like, let's do something um, fun, romantic, let's, let's, let's be spouses. It's like, you're still afraid that the other person actually doesn't love you. You know what I'm saying? Or like, Mm -hmm. you're still afraid that they're not going to actually want to have this fun with you. And so you don't even want to go there. Um, or am I making too much of that? No, 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 not at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, you, you guys, you and your wife work with married couples, you know, in your parish and you know, these things and look, it, it, Marriage at the end of the day is work. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes work, right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of factors that distract you from that work. And some are the good things. Our children, our work, our time, like all those are things that are certainly good things, right? Mm-hmm. But to to not work on the marriage, yeah, you'll feel the effects over time. It would be like you get married, you got new tires on your car. Mm-hmm. And you you just drive and you never change those tires. You know, eventually it slips a little. You your car starts kind of shaking a little bit, and then the the tread just wears and wears and wears until the tires are just done. But it happens over time. Like your tires last fifty thousand miles, but right? then one day they might explode. And one day they yeah. they pop. Dude, that's a great analogy. That's a book idea. Show mom. You're driving me crazy. How to change the tires of your marriage by Paul George. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. I love the analogy. I love the the connection there. You are something else. Okay, <clears throat> we're we are definitely back in, in the saddle. This is already a better show than last week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were in a rut last week, and I was even in a deeper rut. We were rutting it. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? So this one's made especially for you, Paul George. Okay. Um, when I saw this, I was like, okay, I got to tell Paul, because you might actually be interested in this. Okay. All right. So have you ever heard of uh, Wales, the country? Yeah. <laughs> 
Not Wales the animal, Wales the country. Yeah, I've heard of actually both. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's interesting because this Sunday, I thought you were going a totally different direction. <laughs> There's the first reading from the Old Testament is oh, that's right. Jonah and the whale. Jonah, that's right. Well, I think it's all connected by God's providence. But no, I'm talking about uh, Wales, the country. Okay. Like Southern United Kingdom. Yes. Well, guess what? Um, Tell me. They are looking for two job applicants for a job that may be just, something just for you. They could be for me. So here's the job. You have to take care of a secluded island called Bardsey Island, which looks pretty much like a little tropical paradise. Man. Okay. But 11 people live there. Dude. There's not really much electricity. Sounds ideal. Um, and your job, they will pay you. Like, that's the job. To just take care of the island for six months this coming year. Right and, now. and this is posted on the internet? Yeah. Yeah, from the 1st of March to the 30th of October. They'll pay you 12 pounds an hour. I don't know how many dollars that is. Um, so the pay's not that awesome. but Yeah, but... I- there's like animals and stuff on it and some farms. Um, it has the tallest lighthouse in the United Kingdom. That's one of its features. And apparently Merlin is supposed to have been buried on this island. The, the wizard Merlin. So 12 pounds is about $15. So $15 an hour. I mean, maybe if they provide living yes. quarters. It's all yours, dude. Yes. You know, to live there. You'll get food from the island. You'll get, um, yeah. Huh. But you have to like work on it because there's only 11 people so it's it's you and 11 people on this secluded island for from march to october okay so i might be down for that yeah yeah and i mean it's kind of funny we're talking about the gospel this coming sunday but to take a job like that you literally have to drop everything you're doing put it all on pause and then like go i mean speaking of whales i mean this little bitty island is surrounded by the ocean so i'm sure there's whales absolutely off the coast of Wales. Wales and Wales. Yeah. But, you know, this aligns really with my spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. It's just to, to live secluded, isolated, you know? Yeah. 11 people's plenty for me. Yeah, it's plenty. Yeah. I hope there are 11 people that uh, work well together. If not, it could be a long few months, you know? You know, I'm, I'm sort of like this deep, contemplative sort of hermit in the making Mm -hmm. does that make sense it does make sense yeah and i'm wondering if there were any married people who became hermits great question like a cabin in the woods you live now i would i would be a um what uh, i think is john paul ii termed a contemplative in action so Mm -hmm. i would hermitage and then i would come out into the world for a little bit well, you and Gretchen need to talk about this because they're looking for two applicants. So if y'all both do it, that's $12 an hour for both of y'all. Or okay. $15 an hour for both of y'all. That's $30 an hour mm. for the family. Yeah. I mean, it could work. But um, no, I think what you're describing, like I remember St. Bernadette um, reading about her life that when she, first of all, obviously when she was a child, she saw the Blessed Virgin Mary and she became Catholic famous. Okay. Yeah. Well, you become famous when you see Mary. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so people want to hear about it. Tell me the story. Tell me the story. Especially when, like, you know, they weren't making videos about it yet or whatever. Well, by the time she became old enough to go to the convent, what she did, like, she was kind of done with all of it. She wanted to go to a secluded place where her and, her and Jesus could be alone, you know? Hmm. And she found that place inside her habit. So all she did was took her veil 
and kind of made it like a little hood over her head to where mm-hmm. people couldn't see her. Yeah. And like that's how she liked to spend her time is um secluded. And I think there's something very healthy about this desire to just be with the Lord in a secluded way. No offense to the people that you love in your life and should be around you. Mm-hmm. Your real wife, your work wife, like whoever. Um because we weren't created for relationships with them necessarily. We we're created for a relationship with God and then others with God, right? Like it's like it's it's God first. And I think that's that desire for seclusion is that desire for God first. Right. No, I don't want show mom to get all worried about me. Like I'm selling everything and you know, just going live. Honestly in, though, if Gretchen was down, you you think about it. If Gretchen was down <laughs> to go to this island, you would think about it. Yeah, but I mean, if you take that island and put it an hour from here, right? Be just right. I think Gretchen would go for it. Sounds like Cow Island or Pecan Island. <laughs> One of those islands. Anything called Cow Island sounds horrible. <laughs> like, I just have pictures of just cows, stinky, and a lot of dung, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't actually been to Cow Island yet, so I don't know mm. if that's what it's like. I've been down there. Was there a bunch of cows? They have a church down in Cow yes. Island. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think they call it Cow Island, and someone's going to call and correct me, but... The reason I'm saying this is because I actually want some feedback. I want to know if somebody's listening from <laughs> Cow Island. But I think it's it's south it's south of here. So like mm-hmm. you know, if there was like flooding or hurricane, water gets pushed up right from the Gulf, mm-hmm. right. So if you live down here, you kind of know that. Now here in Lafayette, like storm surge or whatever, we're not affected by that. I mean, anywhere can get affected by like lots of rain water, right? But I think Cow Island is in the midst of that f- like you know flood plain mm-hmm. but it's it's high it's high ground in the midst of that and so like when water comes up cows all go to high land they just naturally walk to to the highest elevation mm-hmm. and that i think that it becomes like a little island but it's not an island so cow island makes sense it makes sense to me i've never heard the explanation but it sounds so right it feels right it feels it feels right and i'm going with it yeah like final answer you know but i think it has a lot like the spiritual meaning like in our lives like okay like follow me here just instinctually okay like a cow like a cow like there's so much to learn from animals on how they live without much intellect Mm -hmm. and just instinct like just knowing like weather patterns and what to eat, where to go, where to graze, where to move, even wild animals, right? But instinctually, like like cows know more of what the weather is going to be than we do, even with our technology. Mm-hmm. Like they just know, right? For, for as long as they've been alive, okay? Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, just follow me here, just instinctually. Bad weather's coming, We've all felt bad weather in our life, spiritually. Let's go spiritually here. And um, <clears throat> just sort of like everything, sort of the waters rising around us, stress, worry, anxiety, just lots of work, busyness, and just feels like the water's rising around us, okay? If, if we get to a point in our life where we are in tune with God in prayer, and when I talk about being a contemplative, contemplative means to really, to obviously c- contemplate, to, to 
be in quiet and hear and listen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That as whatever is going on and swirling around us, that because we are listening to the Lord, we're able to naturally gravitate to dry land, even though around us is flooding. And I think those times in our lives are those people who are drowning. It's not, it's not that they don't love God or have it. It's just that they haven't been in tune to know that the weather pattern changed and like they just got swallowed up by the rain, you know, and they're just kind of swimming. They're tired. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I might be there right now. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But if I was more in tune in prayer with God, like I could just, just naturally gravitate to where God wants me, which is on high land. God doesn't want me drowning. Right. Right. Man, that's good. Well, and those instincts are put there by God, right? So where did the cow get this ability from God? And God put it in the cow to care for the cow, right? To provide for the cow. And, uh, and it's so interesting. Like God created animals and just says, I'm going to give you everything to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like everything you need to take care of yourself instinctually is in you, right? This is why Jesus uses that analogy in the gospel. He's like, why worry? Mm-hmm. Right? The birds know how worry. to, yeah. they don't worry. They don't worry. They take care of them. They, everything's provided for them. And you're just like, man, I wish I was a bird. Because there's so much about our intellect that gets in the way of just instinctually being in relationship with the Lord, right? Trusting in the Lord. So our intellect just just bombards us with whatever worry and fear. You know, all our emotion gets a lot in the way, right? Yeah, and it seems like divine instinct, because we have such a strange vocation to not live a material worldly life mm-hmm. like say cows or birds only we do have that kind of life because we do here we do live here but this is not our home it's not why we're created to to live like that we're created with a divine vocation meaning to to find god and live like god right and then when we're baptized when the holy spirit comes into our life when we're given sanctifying grace it seems like that divine instinct the instinct god has which is the Holy Spirit, which is the love of the Father and the Son. Mm-hmm. That instinct is to love God with everything we got. That's why he gave, it, gave us the great commandment, to love our, the Lord our God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. Like, that's the instinct that drives us to that high ground. That's right. You know, like there's no other instinct that we have other than that virtue of charity, other than that impulse to love God with everything and to love our neighbor as ourselves that guides us to that pasture, guides us to that high ground, and right. saves us from the flood. But it's step by step, just like the cow, right? Like it's like step by step, food by food, whatever whatever the instinct tells you to do, you do it, and then you find yourself on in safe pasture. You know, it's interesting. I grew up in the country though, but uh, it. Have you ever seen a cow run? No, no, it's r- rare. Like in a rodeo, if like if you go to a rodeo, that's right. Yeah, like you'll they'll make a cow run because they're roping it or whatever, but. It is very rare that you see cows run. Like in herds, they just they just walk very slowly. They don't look like they were built to run. They're, they're very methodical, mm-hmm. one step at a time. And I think there's a lot of spiritual 
lessons there of even when like a hurricane's coming or <clears throat> the water is rising, they they start early and they just walk slowly. Mm-hmm. And they just naturally gravitate to high land, you know? <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. like, it's so simple and yet I get it wrong so many times because I get in the way of myself of just instinctly and naturally just following the Lord and trusting in him, you know? Yeah. Right. So I think there are a lot of lessons there we can learn and the gospel is going to speak even more of that this week, kind of calling us, you know, a little bit further into that. But, um, in the meantime, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio. Can I tell him? Yeah, of course. You don't even know what I'm about to say. I know, but I know it's good. <clears throat> so we're friends. Been friends for a while. Thanks, man. I wasn't sure, but now I know. And there's times in life where friends help each other out. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. And, uh, you know, there's been times where you've helped me out. You've <laughs> saved think, me from myself. I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> and then there's times in life where I've had to step in and help you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of part and parcel with friendship. That's why you got friends. Okay. So I'm not going to divulge too much information here Mm -hmm. uh, for the sake of the people involved. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I got an an email about doing a parish mission, and I can't do it for several reasons, but, uh, you know, the date doesn't work and, you know, all this, uh, so I can't do it. So I asked, I said, hey, I know someone would be great. You mind if I connect you? They said, great. So I connected you with... This church, mm-hmm. okay, and you've been in communication with them, mm-hmm. and uh, it's great. I hope you get to do it. I don't know, you know, the final word or whatever, but you were texting me asking me about going out of town for a parish mission, okay? Mm-hmm. Out of state, yeah. <laughs> out of state, yeah. Out of state. Let's just make that clear. Out of state for a parish mission, yeah. And I had forgotten that I'd connected you on this parish mission, but I was like, well, where are you? Where are you going? Where are you going, Deacon Adam? Mm -hmm. And you said, uh, Mississippi. (laughs) Now, we live in Louisiana. So wherever you are, Mississippi's a state, but it's next to us. But you have to, you know, it's it's a whole nother state away. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I said, oh, Mississippi. And you said, Cottonport, Mississippi. (laughs) And then it ringed a bell that the, the church that I connected you with is in Cottonport. Uh-huh. Okay. And I'm like, well, he's obviously very confused here. Yeah. Because one, <laughs> Cottonport is in Louisiana. 
Turns out there's no cotton port in Mississippi. There is no. There's a Gulf port and probably some other ports. Yeah. And But there's no cotton port in Mississippi. But I knew exactly what you were talking, but you were confused. And so I just I just mapped it and screenshot it and sent it to you. <clears throat> Let you know that uh, cotton port is about, probably from this studio, about an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. From your house, probably an hour and 40. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It did happen. And I saved you, you from did. going to Mississippi looking for a city that does not exist. Yeah, I was definitely thinking of Gulfport, Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and when you think about how good of a friend I am. like You could have let it go on. You could have let it play out. And I, I kind of thought I should. <laughs> let, let me see how far this goes. <laughs> let me see. You could have created a map that had Cottonport, Mississippi on it and be like, here it is. You know? Yes. That's something I would have done to you, maybe. Yeah. But I saved you. You did. I saved you. And I appreciate that very much. Right. Thanks for being a friend. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my gosh. How funny is it? I don't know if you've seen this, but I've I've been kind of reflecting on the imagery here. Um, It's kind of a deeper, have you seen? Oh. Um, Like, have you really seen? Yeah, certainly more of a tragedy and a miracle at the same time. Mm -hmm. But... Um, not long ago in August, 2023, maybe about six months ago, mm-hmm. there was an earthquake in Syria. So if you watch the world news, you saw it, if you, you know, if not like you, you missed it, right? Like, <clears throat> but, um, it's a pretty bad earthquake and a lot of people died. Um, anyway, this, this one family, um, died underneath the rubble of the earthquake okay and uh this this mom uh her husband and all their kids died um parents and four siblings um this and the mom was pregnant and they found the the pregnant mom dead okay this is horrible but uh follow me here uh the baby um, was still alive, connected to the umbilical cord, and they saved the baby. Mm-hmm. The baby's alive, six months old, was adopted by her aunt and uncle. And I just think, wow, how, how crazy is that? Right? Like yeah. this, this miracle and this baby's alive. Now, <clears throat> all that being said, we were talking about sort of the spiritual sort of meaning of, uh, in the first segment of of these cow island right these cows mm-hmm. like just instinctually just gravitating to you know and uh <clears throat> to high land in the midst of tragedy or in the midst of whatever and you know i was, was thinking a lot about this this article and this baby uh, <clears throat> mainly it kind of hit me spiritually and i'll tell you why okay so like all the tragedy aside it it uh and praying for all those victims it uh what hit me the imagery was i feel like a lot of times in my life like i am under rubble you know um so sort of like in the first time we're talking like water rising we're kind of drowning swimming right um just under rubble by like the busyness and craziness of life right Mm -hmm. if you if you just use that imagery of all the all the stressors, all the things that we deal with, right? Time and money and family and, you know, marriage and parenting and work and, you know, bills and 
you know, just whatever, right? Like we can keep stacking up rubble on top of us. If that makes yeah. any sense, am I, am I? Yeah. Am I clear? Yeah. And yet, like the 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 image that I had is like no matter how much rubble I feel is like on top of me or on top of others spiritually, the the life of Christ connected to us keeps us alive. Does that make sense? Totally. Like like if we're connected to Christ, even in the midst of suffering, or darkness we have all the nourishment we need now think about this this baby stayed alive in the umbilical cord and it was still getting nourishment from its mom who had passed away it's this crazy story right yeah and i think like what the the beautiful thing about life in christ is that we have a life even connected to christ even when we feel like we don't like the the grace and the nourishment from from our relationship with Christ is still there, mm-hmm. and and if we just stay connected to to Christ, as 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 He gives us the, the the supernatural power and grace to live, He will pull us out of the rubble, right? Like He mm-hmm. He will He will He will drag us to dry land, okay? And I don't know. I don't, I think oftentimes like. We don't we don't have the faith enough to believe that that is true, yeah, or that we want to do it ourselves. You know, I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking about how one temptation is to try to focus on the rubble and do something about the rubble. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, we're just kids, like we're just babies. Like we don't know how to fix things. I can't fix the world. Mm-hmm. I can't fix the culture. I can't fix. There's so much I can't fix. I'm just a little baby, you know. Um. And the reality is, is that there's going to be storms, there's going to be earthquakes, there's going to be rising waters. They don't last forever, but they're there. And there'll be a time where the earthquake stops, the storm stops, whatever it is stops. And I can't control that. I can't start and stop stuff like that. But the Lord will see me through those things. Think about how dependent this little life was on its mom, who... Oh my God. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And I think one of the things that we lose the fastest in the spiritual life or in life in general, but connected to the spiritual life is childlike faith. Yeah. That's the innocence we lose the most. This ability to be so dependent on God that we just are taken care of. Right, and as we become adults, we lose that because you know we're not kids anymore. We can take care of ourselves. We're self dependent. We do all the things. We do all the work. We da 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 dee, but but adults are struggling. They're they're carrying a lot of weight, you know, and worry. And so, like Jesus actually calls us to have childlike faith, and we still ignore that. Right? Yeah. He says not to worry. Like just trust, like the birds do. Right? Like the cows. Like become like little children, and yet we just ignore those things because, like, for some reason, our emotion, our intellect tells us differently. And yet, Jesus is trying to draw us back. What's well, the temptation to be to be God ourselves? I mean, it goes back to the original sin. It the hardest lesson to learn in life is that the most important thing we'll ever do, we won't do, but it'll be done to us, which is we'll be loved by God. That's the most important thing that will ever happen in our life. Preach. And there's nothing else that we can ever do that will top that or be more important or whatever. And so it's 
it's humbling, it's childlike to say the most important thing that will ever happen in my life is God loves me, which is why we value life. You're talking about this little baby. On Monday is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and it's the National Day of Prayer for the Unborn. And mm-hmm. we really do value every human life because that life is already loved by God and has already accomplished the most important thing that any humans will ever do. If it's never born, if it dies, if it's aborted, if it's miscarried, if it dies in an earthquake or lives in an earthquake, every human life has already accomplished the most important thing any human will ever do. It's loved by God. You know what's crazy is I was reading about this article to kind of tie it all in and and what you're saying is that, um, you know, Syria is not necessarily, like this part of the country is not necessarily highly Christian. Mm -hmm. And there was this great joy of finding this baby alive. Okay, and saving this life, and then adopting the baby. This this family adopted the baby. What was crazy is because this was all over the news, the amount of people that reached out to adopt this child from around the world mm. was like unbelievable. People from every faith denomination are not right, like. Because, like, there's just an instinctual thing in the human person that says life is important, right? Like, they looked at this baby that was under the rubble, connected to the umbilical part, and be like, that's an important life. I'll adopt it. I've never seen it. They're they're not from my same culture or anything. I'll I'll bring that. I'll raise that baby and give it a good life, right? That's crazy because that's just, that's in the human heart to believe that every life has meaning and is important and has dignity, you know, but we, we really, I think the hardest thing to understand more than anything is that for ourselves. Yeah. To believe that we are so loved by God, that we have this beautiful identity in Christ that we are loved, as you said, right. Mm -hmm. And, and we're important. Yeah. I mean, what was, some of the jeering at Jesus on the cross. Um, if you really are the son of God, you will such and such. Or, you know, this idea that as we get older, we experience the sin and the darkness and the coldness of this world, and we begin to doubt if we're actually loved by God like that. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. are they right or is God right? 100%. And um, it's very easy to fall back into that. Even, even as God-fearing Christians, as people who love the Lord, if people want to follow him closely, yep. we still think there might be something wrong with us, or we might not be doing this right. We might not be the disciples we ought to be. We might not be, you know what I'm saying? Right. We get into the what if, what if, we might not, we might not. We've already accomplished today the, the most important thing, God loves us. And to become like that baby um, is kind of the essence of the spiritual life, is like just to be God's child. Yeah, right. That we have, we have dignity just because God made us, and, and that's great, you know? We have this beautiful image of uh, in the Gospels this, this Sunday. Simple reading. It's not long. It's from Mark chapter 1, 14 through 20. It's one we've all heard before, but Jesus approaches the disciples and come after me, I'll make you fishers of men. You know, he they were fishing. You know, they were Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea, and they were fishermen. Jesus said, come after me, I'll make you fishers of men, right? Like, mm-hmm. like leave leave your occupation, leave what you're doing, leave your nets, and and then come to a different life, right? A new life, right? This whole imagery, right? Come to dry land, come to high land, like you're actually in water, yeah. right? I'm calling you, you think you're living the life that 
you're supposed to live, but I am calling you to a different life. And in one of the versions of the Gospels, Jesus says, cast your nets to the other side of the boat. Right? Mm-hmm. Another one mm-hmm. of those reasons they're fishing, and then they, they haul in a massive amount of fish. Mm-hmm. Okay? And then, and then he calls them to be his disciples. Okay? So imagine this. Like, you had, like, you had the best financial year of your life in one day. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. In your occupation per se. And Jesus says, I have something better even than that. Mm-hmm. Right? They just had their best day of fishing. Like, because of him. But like, they just hauled in all the money they needed to pay off whatever, all their debt, buy a new boat, like keep going, hire new people, like scale this out, like make it bigger. And Jesus is like, I have something better than that. Would you leave it and follow me? Come to dry land, you're in water. It's huge. Well, I guess all success in this life is simply <clears throat> a sign and an image for God's providence. And like he only allows certain successes and certain accomplishments um, as a sign of the abundance he has planned for us, which has nothing to do with this life. And <clears throat> it is amazing how we get caught up. I mean, our Lord said it, you can only serve God or mammon, right? Right. We get caught up in um, the nets ourselves. Like, we're we're caught in nets that providing for our family, for ourselves, for our needs means we make a lot of money or we we do a lot of things ourselves. And what gets me is like, man, I, I long for the freedom of those apostles, right? So you're right. saying, Lord, as long as I follow you, you'll make me fishers of men and you'll take care of me. Right. You know? <clears throat> and every day, like, I wake up and I want that kind of freedom but it's so easy to pick up the nets of providing for myself again. You know, like to not trust that the Lord will provide the catch or the Lord will give me the mission, the high ground I need to live on. Yep. Um because literally every day our Lord is recalling us to get on get on his boat. Yeah. I mean it it's hard to like imagine like having, you know, the best catch of my life and and feeling like this feeling of financial security or I'm good at my job and then Jesus calls me to something else. Now look, the, this is not all by all means saying like we need to leave our jobs and what I'm saying is like Jesus is calling them to a better life than even that. Correct. Okay, so like like the life that that we may be currently living or think is really good, Jesus always has better, you know? Like he, he's got more grace, more life. Um <clears throat> drier, higher land, right, than mm-hmm. what we think that we're living right now. And and when we're in tune with the Lord and, and we, we connect to him, we have real and new life, you know? One of the things I've been pondering on as well, I've been some pondering this week. Pondering, okay. And it might be because I'm starting to write uh, a new project, and when I do that, I just kind of think a lot, I think a lot, I think a lot, I almost think mm-hmm. too much, but, you know, and then I'm <laughs> brainstorming and kind of like, you know, whatever, thinking a lot. But for for years, like, I've kind of spoken about this quote, and it hit me this week as I was thinking a lot, is I read this quote by one of the popes. It's a good quote. It says that the greatest threat to Christianity today is mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
makes sense, right? Yeah. We live this mediocre life. We don't like, and it's just such a threat and it sort of dilutes what Christianity really is. Dull Christians, mediocre Christians, right? Mm -hmm. And I was really thinking about that. I was like, I don't don't know. Like, I want something different than that, that quote. Like, what if I, what if that quote looked differently? Like, what if I flipped that quote around a little bit? Follow me here, okay? Okay, I'm following you. I'm going to trust you. Like, what? Like what if what if it said this that the greatest threat to mediocrity is Christianity? Hmm. And when I rewrote it that way, I'd literally like just was like, that's it. Like I don't I want an answer to my mediocrity. Mm-hmm. Like I want an answer to just my dullness, like to to just like, give me an answer to that. And the answer is right in front of me. Mm-hmm. It is Jesus himself calling the disciples to a new life, right? Like, the, 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 the answer to mediocrity is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a book. There you go. Think about that. For, <laughs> just, just like wrap your mind around that for a second. Mm-hmm. Because here's what, how we've been approaching it. We've been approaching it this way. The greatest threat to Christianity is mediocrity. So everybody get fired up. Mm-hmm. Right, you're doling out. Don't be a wuss. Christianity, and so then what we do is we try to make Christianity attractive, mm-hmm. exciting. You know, we want to put a nice, you know, wrapping over it, and we want oh, we'll do this music and that, and this theology and that, and then there's all this infighting to try to make Christianity not dull, right? But like. The greatest threat to the mediocrity in our lives is just Jesus himself, this life in Christ that moves us and calls us to a whole new life. And when we connect to Christ like that, like mediocrity begins to just dissipate in our life. Mm -hmm. And so living out our, our life in Christ becomes this Christianity that brings light to the world. Well, the examples of, let's say, a Mother Teresa, who did not did not enter into many arguments about the state of the church and how mediocre it is. Like she, that wasn't how she spent her time. Social media wasn't around back then, but if it was, like she wouldn't be trolling people's Twitter accounts or Facebook and talking, arguing about how this ought to be or that ought to be or the, you know, the horrible times we're living in the church, whatever. Like she, that wasn't her thing. Her life was simplified by one thing. She, she was asked by the Lord to do something specific and she just devoted everything in her life to do it. Right. She had a very specific task from Jesus Hmm. and that freedom of knowing what God wanted allowed her to live what no one would call a mediocre life. But it was not because she accomplished, she, she achieved Catholic greatness. It's because she found the very specific thing Jesus wanted her to do. And um, there, there is a warning there, I think, in what you're saying is that we shouldn't be fishing after perfect Catholicism, perfect Christianity and arguing about it till we get it done. 
we should be listening or we should allow ourselves to be caught by Jesus and just give up. Like, put your nets down because the church at the end of the day is not our project. It's not our boat. It's not our nets. It's not what we're going to cast out into the world that's going to make a difference. The church is Jesus's boat. It's his nets. So if we allow ourselves to get caught up in him, then we live that great life we long for and we want to see in the church. But none of those great lives like solved all the problems. That's right. I mean, tell me one saint that solved every problem in the church or even like half of them or even one of them. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Padre Pio, you're not going to get a greater... I mean, dude did some stuff. How many problems in the church did he solve? Right. You know, do we, look, do we look at church history as before and after Padre Pio? But how many people fell in love with Jesus because of him? There you go. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Deacon Bear, studio. I like your dance moves there, partner. Paul George. I have never been been more excited about a segment what? than I am right now for this six-pack of questions. Question. <laughs> never been. So question number one. Yeah. So you're just talking about how, like, Chasing after perfect Christianity can make us like hype, try to hype things up. Yeah, and then you you try to hype up the six pack. So my question is: Well, you kind of said <laughs> said that, and then I said that. You combining our two quotes together, basically. <laughs> so, and and I've been a part of that that problem. I've been a part of it, trying to make you know Christianity this you know flashy, exciting thing that you say yes to. Well, and me at, too. At the end of the day, like it's just Jesus. All right, so like question, Jesus and he dre- like dressing up. Question number two is related to that. So like, wait, was that a well? Question, question one, one was how could you hype up six pack after you just said don't hype up, but you did it anyway. Question number two, uh, right? So how do we motivate people? Because isn't that isn't that the idea? Like motivate people to follow Jesus. But how do you motivate people correctly without falling into just? I don't know. There's so many books written and like fights going on around it, and I'm like. Here's the thing, like I just can't get into that anymore. And maybe mm-hmm. I'm just like at the point where I'm like, okay, uh, is Jesus himself enough or mm-hmm. not? Like if we just simply let people meet Jesus, is Jesus not enough? Mm-hmm. Or do do we have to put extra dressing on him? Mm. You know? We have to put a comma to the top? <laughs> we have to put extra seasoning on Jesus, and I think that's what we're tr- doing in in the church across denominational. Like no, no, like, but is is Jesus just not enough? 
and I, I'm saying he is. I'm saying like, like if we, we, we just let Jesus do his thing. If we can connect the umbilical cord of Jesus to people, right? Then His mm. grace is sufficient and it's enough. And that's what the gospel says. That's what scripture tells us, and we should be, we should be in tune with that. Mm. Sorry. No, I love it. All right, question number three. Uh, we actually started on a, the show on a spontaneous conversation about uh, marriage and work. Oh. Do you remember this? I thought you were going to say whales, but yeah, work spouses. That was before that. Yeah. 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 And you brought up some very interesting stuff about um, relationships in the home. Um, so here's my question. Question number three. What about those like non-married people who are seeking human relationships? Okay. Let's say like they want to have authentic, especially Christian relationships. They're not married. Okay. Um, and they also don't want to like, they don't want their life to be dull either. Because like you mentioned, spouses getting divorced because they just work together. They're like roommates and then they learn how to, they forget how to connect to each other. Well, non-married people who are living in the world, um, they don't want a dull life either, right? Mm-hmm. So like what, what does that look like as a Christian um, to, to keep your life in that, out of that like dull routine of monotony of just living one day after another, but to keep it an adventure with living with the Lord as you work in the world, live in the world, but you're not married. You know, like the adventure of marriage, I get. Right. My question to you is what about if you don't have that adventure in your life? Is Jesus not enough mm. for to, for that adventure? Like Jesus calls the, the disciples, most of them were single. I think Peter was married. I don't know technically about all the other ones, right? Like mm-hmm. was the adventure of Jesus not enough? Like was he not saying, and I'm not saying like as a single person, go become a missionary, in, in another world or, you know, live on an island with 11 people because we talked about that. Sounds pretty good. But, like, the life that's in front of you is exciting. Like, the life that Jesus is calling you to each day should be an adventure and exciting wherever you're living, working, in whatever community you're living in. And if you're not, then you're probably not connected to Jesus enough. Mm. There you have it. Mm-hmm. All right, question number four. So you brought up this question, is Jesus enough? We also talked about the question, am I enough? Because talking about the dignity of our life as someone loved by God. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find out? You're like, enough. how do you test those questions? How do you find out if you're enough? How do you find out if Jesus is enough? That's good. How do you test it? I had a friend uh, who released the book end of last year. Shout out to Eric uh, Brooker. Um, and he wrote a book about this. Really? Yeah, you're enough. It is really good. I wrote the forward in it. Not that that was the good part of the book, but and, and I think that is the uh, like a human question: am Am I enough? Like, am I enough? And the reality is, is that yes. There are there a lot of lies that get in the way of us believing that. Yes, one hundred percent. There's a lot of lies and sin and dysfunction and generational curses and baggage and wounds. But if we can work through that and be diligent in unpacking that, I think it's the at the end of it, we come to this gold mine of knowing that we're enough. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what's the name of that book? You're Enough? I think I Am Enough or You're Enough. Like One of those. Sorry, Eric. Like Has enough uh, in it. I'm, I'm writing more books. And, <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number five. So we talked about uh, the disciples being called by the Lord to leave their nets behind and go follow him. Mm-hmm. So 
just be honest with me. Just level with me. You are enough. You are enough. That's yeah. the name of the book. Yeah. So be honest with me. As you're walking around the country, talking to people who want to follow Jesus, yeah. you probably hear a lot of yeah buts. You know, the Lord's calling me to do this yeah but. It's like reasons we're not dropping the nets. You see in me. What are the main things keeping us from dropping our nets? Like what, where do we need to be challenged? The excuses that we're making, like what, why aren't we dropping our nets and following Jesus more as his disciples? I mean, I think, right, like we're, we're attached to whatever. What are we attached to in our boats and our nets? So it's attachments. What are we afraid to let go of? I mean, I have those, you have them, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think we're in a process of working through that. You know, we were talking, you know, off off air about we probably always have some attachments until we die, mm-hmm. you know, until we're kind of on that real road to sainthood, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like after. Like we're on that road now, but like after. You know, like the human condition wants to grab hold of things, you know, that make us feel feel better. Yeah, feel secure. So yeah, feel secure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question number six. You mentioned a couple times that you're working on a writing project. I know it's top secret, classified stuff. But what can you tell us about what you're up to, Paul George? What can I tell you? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I don't want to speak too soon in mm-hmm. case it doesn't come to fruition. Right. Because I mean, like, you know, I've written four projects study guide, two books, and a devotional, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I'm in midlife. Like, so just think about it. Like, the time effort that it takes to, like, do a project, you know, puts a lot of pressure on me, right? Because it's like, hey, you got to do this and yeah. finish it. So that that's my hope. But if I do do it and do finish it, it's, it's a the next book is going to be a the next version of a men's book. Okay. So going a little a, a little, little bit deeper with those men. A little bit more like like off script. Okay. Yeah. Like, How about that? Like gloves are off. We're gloves around. Are, yeah, yeah, we're we there's no script. There's no script. We're writing the script as we go. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds delightful. Yeah. It's gonna be a little bit more yeah, that's the hope I'm excited okay. about. It's the thing probably I'm most excited about. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like work-wise. Like, right, the, right. you know, like, you know, outside of my, you know, my vocation. Well, sign me up. Just FYI. I want to read it. Yeah. Well, here's what you just need to do. You just need to know how to get to Cottonport. <laughs> like, you just, that's it. Well, thanks for telling it's me. It's in the state. It's not for, you're going to love it. <laughs> it's on the banks of Baye de Glaze, bruh. Mm, I bruh. mean, this nice little little Bayou de Glaze that roams through town. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Nice. You're going to like it. I can't wait. Yep. Yep. So anyway, good luck going to Cottonport. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show, KLFT. Uh, those on uh, the podcast, wherever you are, I appreciate you, and we'll be back next week. God bless. God bless.